time for another edition of Unlock with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. This is Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. It is always brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Get that first deposit on the house at MyBookie.ag. So the news continues. Alabama portal's been a complete mess. Um, I think this is expected, though. When you lose the greatest coach of all time, it doesn't matter who comes in. People obviously want to blame Kayla DeBoer. They're saying he doesn't know the Southeast. Uh, this is just the beginning of the end. Um, I had uh, our friend Clay Travis bet me on air today that he would not make it a fifth season in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, yeah, I just I, – he's like the expectation's too high. Look at the expectation's going to be high for whoever. But mm-hmm. I, I just – I saw him do it in a program in Washington. No disrespect to your alma mater. But that's like a B-plus program. Alabama's an A-plus elite program. If you can do it there, and the guy's won everywhere, from Sioux yep. Falls yep. to Fresno to Washington, and now he gets one of the top two or three jobs in college football. I just I don't, I don't know how it falls off like some of these people think. Yeah, so who in your mind in, is dialed in as you are down south? If Lane Kiffin were, would have left, could he have kept more of these guys? Would he have not seen the attrition if Steve Sarkeesian would have come back to Tuscaloosa would those guys have maybe kept more of them around? Okay, maybe. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, the the Julian Sayans and some of the others, and I know we'll get to him and discuss Austin Mack in a second. But, I mean, if if you're just that narrow and just looking at this, just ex- this little slice, this little moment, this little month, this little signing period, and not the bigger picture, and not what his 20-year resume looks like everywhere that he has been, and not realizing that in the spring, guess what? The portal is going to open again, <laughs> and there's going to be opportunities, and there's probably going to be departures, and others are going to want to come into it. And then ultimately, the stamp that he puts on it in their play next year. And I, I'm pretty confident. I told you and, and Jim and Ryan that when this move was made, this guy's a heck of a football coach. When he got signed to the University of Washington, this being obviously Kalen DeBoer we're talking about, there were people that just texted me, coaches out of the woodwork, saying, man, your alma mater got one of the real great coaches. At that time, and remember this, before he went to Washington, would he have ever been on Alabama's radar 24 months ago? No Are chance. you kidding me? No chance in the world. And that shows, what was he, 14-1 and one and 11-2? and two? 25 and three is pretty darn good, as you said, at a program that's not in the top five, that's not in the top 10. I think it's in the top 20, and he showed his coaching shop, chops making the very, very most out of what he had. Yeah, and I really believe, you know, Greg Byrne, there is no way uh, he's just going to take a flyer on the board. This is, you know, Ryan Grubb is a guy they flew in last year and they wanted him as their offensive coordinator. Nick Saban wanted him. So Nick Saban has been watching this Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubb product for a while. And I think he's admired it from afar. And I guarantee you, if Byrne had a conversation with Saban at all, he would have been like, thumbs up. I mean, this guy's getting it done with less. This guy just played for the national championship. So I I, I will stand behind it. This is going to be one of those declarations that I've made on the air, and I've been doing this for 25 years. And uh, if he falls apart, I will never hear the end of it. But I'm not confident. (laughs) I I, I believe when you win – uh, I just think winning translates wherever you go. I, yep. I just and I think it's something Kalen DeBoer said. It's it's not just about dedication; it's about being driven. And he seems like a driven individual. He is really, really driven, and he knows exactly what it's supposed to look like. And you know, frankly, had he brought his defensive staff, and this is no shot at Chuck Morrell and and William Inge and, and good guys. But Lance, if he would have just brought the status quo and brought maybe all of that you know that he was loyal to and familiar with. 
I would have said to you, that's going to be one side of the ball that's going to have a little work in progress because it was, you know, they were co-coordinators down south. That would have been highlighted, it would have been uncomfortable. And I think getting Kane Womack and his style and his system, and I think Kane is tremendous. And when he was at Indiana with Tom Allen, they played really elite defense for a reason because he too, like Kalen DeBoer, was so good at it. Kalen got a chance to see that and got a chance to practice against it, got a chance to realize, like, man, this guy, he's innovative, you know? And and when you follow in the footsteps of Nick, it's one thing offensively with Kalen and Grubb, and I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> but when you follow in the footsteps of what he's built defensively, the dudes that he has had, the system that he has played, the success in the championships, some of them especially early, that came with that defensive prowess, it was important to get that side of the ball right. And I think Kane Wombach is a pretty darn good one as well. Uh, with Fox's Brock Hewitt, I'm Lance Taylor. It is unlocked right here on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like, subscribe. It is always brought to you by Lance's Log. Go to lanceslog.com. Free play every single day. College basketball, the NBA. We will get to the AFC and NFC championships. So just some guys that have come over, and I thought this would soften the blow a little bit. I saw ESPN did their way-too-early All-American team, and their center was Parker Brailsford. Yeah. And that's just one of the guys that is coming in. A little undersized, but uh, – I mean, this guy is tenacious. Tremendous. He's just tremendous. He's a tremendous player, man. He's just he's just one of those guys right in the middle of it. And if there's a position where you can get away with being 200, and he was 275 pounds, the redshirt freshman, will he play at 285, maybe 290 down the road? We'll see. I mean, his frame is not one that's ever going to put on 300-plus pounds. But dude is so athletic. Is knows how to handle through leverage and through great knee bend and everything else. Like, Yep, this guy is really, really good. And uh, there's a reason they wanted him. There's a reason he's going to Tuscaloosa. Uh, the people there will absolutely love him. He'll be the centerpiece of that offensive line. And that was a big get. And it may not be gigantic on paper, but those All-American teams, they know the film. And they know what they're watching for. And if a 275 is a redshirt freshman, he could handle Murphy and Sweat and then big boys in Texas just fine. He's going to be able to hold his own down in the SEC as well. Okay, so tell me about some of the other guys coming in. You, you've you've come on, you've told us about Austin Mack, but uh, Jeremy Bernard is a guy that, you know, really was that fifth option, but when it, I, I guess it was Polk that missed some starts, yep. Bernard was that guy that stepped up. Yeah, one of the keys, and, in, 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 you know, this will be interesting with Austin Mack too, and Kalen talked a lot about it, and some of it was the timing that's different then versus now, but during covid and coming out with all the restrictions, and when Michael Penix did transfer in, it was he was such the linchpin. He was so key when other coaches couldn't be out there, when they had to put that system in. And now that you bring in an Austin Mack, and now you bring in a Parker Brailsford, you put in the center of centerpiece of your offense. So for those guys, when the coaches aren't around, when there's a 20-hour rule and you're not allowed to be together, to have those guys to, to help Jalen Milrow, to help that offensive line, and a Jeremy Bernard on the outside of the perimeter, so you kind of get – the O-line handled, you get the perimeter handled, you get the QB room handled, right? I mean, you get all those aspects of your offense pretty savvy. I mean, once again, kind of playing chess. Uh, and Kalen DeBoer does that an awful lot on a checkerboard. He plays chess and bringing those guys over, and those are the ones that he targeted through this portal to help implement this offense, I think will be very, very helpful. Bernard is not an off-the-charts. He's not a, a Jerry Judy. He's not a a Henry Ruggs. He's not the elite, elite athletes that you have had down there in Tuscaloosa, but do knows how to play the game and he knows the system inside and out and he will do whatever is asked. Special team, slot receiver, can play a little bit outside and just will be one of those guys that will be really, really dependable year number one. 
Uh, let's get into the AFC and NFC Championship games. This is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. It is always brought to you by MyBookie. Use that code next round. Get that first deposit on the house at MyBookie.ag. Kansas City survives Buffalo. They are their kryptonite. Uh, this Kansas City thing, I, I, I just, Buffalo had one job. Find a way to get this circus out of there. I am so yeah. sick of seeing Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, I didn't love... Uh, you know, look, I've been there before. I said this on the air. Um, I've only had my shirt off in public a couple of times, but it's when I'm blackout, and it's been a long time. And I know How Jason, about when you mow the lawn? <laughs> no, no. I got a neighbor that does that, and I just – Oh, that's, I, I think right. It, that's right. We it, talked about that. Yeah. It's, it's unnecessary, <laughs> in my opinion. If you okay. if you live on 200 acres and you want to get out there shirtless without anybody else seeing you, so be it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was basically um, – um, Belushi and Animal House is what we saw with Kelsey. I know he was having yes. a good time, but my God. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just ready for Kansas City to just be out. But now they play in Baltimore. Baltimore mm. hosting their first AFC championship game since 1971 when they were the Colts. Uh, they were a little shaky in the first half against the mm -hmm. Texans, and then good Lamar really showed up. And you see that that final 30 minutes, how good Baltimore can be. Now they're three-and-a-half-point favorites, according to mybookie.ag. Uh, but Kansas City's got the ultimate equalizer in Patrick Mahomes. Gosh, he was so good, Lance. I mean, there were times when I was in Indianapolis and I got to watch Peyton in his absolute prime. This would have been like year oh, so before the Super Bowl. So it was 02, 02, 02, 03 that I was out there with him. And there were games, Lance, honest to God. I, I, we watched the film the next day and I'm like, can't play better. Like... <laughs> If he gets hurt, the expectations for me coming in, getting no reps and everything, like, I mean, the bar is so ridiculously high. And you saw that the next year, right? When Curtis Painter and those guys tried yeah. to play, and it was like, oh, good Lord, what is this? <laughs> I mean, we played the Jets, I remember. I think he was 30. This a home game years ago. 30 to 33. You can check me on these stats. I don't know if it was 02 or 03, but it was just, it was absurd. He didn't get hit. Saw every blitz, got the ball out on time, had a perfect QB rating. I'm just like, this guy just plays a game unfamiliar to anybody else other than Tom Brady at that time. And Patrick Mahomes, what did they have? 47 snaps. I mean, the, the, the Buffalo possessed the ball. They ran the ball. Kansas City ran the ball. Every time 15 had to make the right decision, he made the right decision. Every time he had to make a play, he made a play. And this isn't 50, 60, 70, 80 snaps. It isn't like, oh, okay, you know, I missed five or six shots, but I made the big three. No. No, he just did not miss a play. I bet his grade sheet was darn near close to 100 in a playoff game in Buffalo in that situation. So, yeah, going to Baltimore will be the same kind of challenge because they're going to run the ball. They're going to possess the ball. You know, can they hold them to some field goals? And then, Patrick, when you get your seven or eight possessions or maybe nine, you got to maximize every single one of them. And, and by the way, do so without the elite dudes that you have had on the outside. So just – yeah, 15 put on his cape and put on one hell of a show in upstate New York. You know, the difference between Baltimore and Buffalo is Baltimore is one of those organizations I trust. I just don't trust Buffalo. And, you know, even going back to four consecutive Super Bowls, they can never get over that hump. And now yeah. it just seems like as talented as Josh Allen is, he just is unable to win that really big game. Gosh, and he played amazing. Other than a yeah. second down on the final drive, honestly. Other than his maybe two second and third down on that final drive. If, where if they he checks up. down to Diggs, yes. I think yep. they win the game. I don't think so. Their defense was so toast. They were so done. 
Yeah, but I think get, they would have. I think they ultimately get in there. Like I, I think Diggs goes yeah, for fifteen yards. I think they got like. And ultimately, I think Mahomes drives him down and just you know maybe. Their their defense when you're on backups to backups to backups in their secondary at their linebacker spots they were just toast and that is where to me the biggest difference like Baltimore is locked they are loaded they don't have ten dudes on IR like Buffalo did right they're not playing on fumes they're pretty darn rested I I know as you said the first half was a little bit tight but no man this is uh this is go time this is gonna be the most difficult challenge yet for Patrick Mahomes in any of his six AFC championships in my opinion. Going to that place, facing a motivated MVP, everything that's going for them, you know, just full, full, fully loaded with nobody injured. I think it'll be a hell of a challenge for Kansas City. And that's the second time I've used H-E double hockey sticks on this podcast, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine by me. You know that. Um, six AFC championship games. I mean, that is remarkable. So what does Andy Reid, has he coached in 11? It's amazing. Or maybe 12? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think there was some conversation about the enemy or, you know, did they miss the enemy and Andy Reid? Come on. Like the, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are pretty special. Are, are they Belichick and Brady? Nope. They haven't been to 10 Super Bowl. They haven't won six of them together, but six consecutive championships games for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Dude, just put another pelt on the wall for me, whether they go on and win this game or win the Super Bowl or whatever, just that game, those decisions, just as I said, man, put on his cape, and he was, man, he was super, super special. Do you have a lean in this game? I would lean Baltimore. Yeah, yeah I, I think I would lean, I would lean Baltimore. But man, if Mahomes gets the ball with uh, any time left, you know, final possession, if the, if that Kansas City defense can just, and they've been good, right? I mean, they their corners pretty good. They're pretty darn physical. I wasn't real impressed with their D line. I thought they got pushed around. I don't know if that's because it was twenty degrees and it's cold and it's hard to hit people. But Chris Jones can't just awaken on a third down. He can't just awaken in the fourth quarter. He's got to turn turn his motor way, way, way up in that whole D-line if they've got any opportunity. Okay, this, this is um, how big of a baby pouting fan I am. I am just so upset about this NFC Championship game. Because watching this past weekend, I know that the Rams had every opportunity yep. to be in this situation, you know. Yep. Uh, they go 0-3 in the red zone. They have to settle for field goals against Detroit. They lose by a point. They would have been going to Tampa. They would have been a slight favorite in that game. I think they beat Tampa, and it came really close to Green Bay yeah. beating San Fran, and the Rams would have hosted Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. But I would love Stafford one shot, all the pressure on San Francisco, a team that has not won a Super Bowl since 94, but I don't get that. Detroit is starting to be one of these teams. It's a great story. They're starting to wear me down a little bit. I love pulling mm -hmm. for Jared Goff, though. Mm -hmm. It's an outstanding story. But I do think Detroit sliding by the Rams with that, that first home win in 31 years or whatever it is, then beating Baker in Tampa at Ford Field, much different than having to go out to San Francisco. To me, oh, this yeah. is just a completely different animal. Dan Campbell, uh, some people absolutely love the guy. Um, but to me, almost coaching mismatch when you look at Kyle Shanahan going against Dan Campbell. Yeah, and as much as Campbell, I, I'd say that just the, the whole kind of staff defensively, and I know they've been hyper-aggressive and, and they play to their style and to their game, but I don't know if you can do that with a Kittle and an Ayuk and a McCaffrey, and we'll see about Debo. Debo's a big deal, man. A big deal. You know, you talk about and you start to rank the different stars on San Francisco and say, okay, who is the most irreplaceable? 
is Purdy. Purdy's not going to be on that list. You know, it's, he's not going to be there with Trent Williams and, and Fred Warner and Bosa and Arnold. Like they, they got it's a bunch of McCaffrey, right? McCaffrey's got to be one. I would say McCaffrey one. And I'd say, geez, Trent Williams and Debo one, a one, a like they just, they're different, man. Debo just gives them a different, you know, run game, different slot effect, different, just impact like all of it. And uh, when his presence was out, you saw Purdy just get a little bit more and more challenged. Uh, it will benefit that it's a nice day. I think that wind and I think that rain greatly affected Purdy and his arm strength and his little small hands that finally kind of showed up there. <laughs> uh, I thought uh, Green Bay did a terrific job. It's kind of like I remember watching Russell for so many years, Russell Wilson up in Seattle. And you get in these games, you get in these playoffs, and how many of these coordinators thought, Lance, I just got to get people in his face. It's five, ten and a half. I just got to get people in his face. You know, I don't have even have to get home. I got to have a more balanced rush. Russell, you know, in his early years, especially was a wizard, could really create in a dual threat way that Brock couldn't, could not and, and can't. But I thought Green Bay did an awesome job of just putting, putting people around him. Like when a shooter shoots in basketball, right? Instead of giving them space, man, get that hand up there. Even if you're not blocking it, you're just impacting, you're impeding him. If Detroit does not do that, if they cannot surround him and put people in his face and he's able, you know, because they love to pressure and they love to bring slot pressure and safety pressure and all that stuff. And Kyle will have a better plan and he will pick some of that up. And if Brock can slide and he has space in the pocket, game over, game over. What is the spread on this one right now? It's three and a half on the other side. What is this one? Six and a half, seven. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, that feels it, about it does. right. I, I and this would could be, be double digits. If Debo plays, this could be double digits. It's going to be a nice afternoon. The elements will be perfect. The field will be fast. Detroit, as you said, after emptying the emotional tank on a couple of different occasions, has now got to travel there. And I just don't think matchup wise, just to 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 receiver to running back, just matchup wise, and Goff is going to have people in his face. He's going to have Bosa and Armstead, and even that great O line. He's going to have people around him, and he can't create. And if it's not there on time and on rhythm, that could be a problem But for Detroit on Sunday. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Look, at this Detroit offensive line is really good. Really good. But watching Tampa this past week, I was a little con con uh, confused at what Todd Bowles was doing because, look, as much as I like how Jared Goff has reinvented himself going to Detroit and I like the success – I've seen bad Jared Goff. And bad Jared Goff, like a lot of quarterbacks, when you get pressure, you get pressure on Mahomes, it doesn't really bother him. Nope. But you get pressure on Goff, he is a completely different quarterback. Completely and he had different. no pressure nope. this past weekend. No, they were just scared on the back end. And they got, you know, I think an injury. And then when they lost the other corner, it really got amplified. So I think sometimes, uh, you know, personnel will really play a role with those guys because Tampa was known to blitz. That's kind of what Bowlesy is, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after you. I'm going to just throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. And they didn't. And I, I think that there was a little bit of, well, you know, let's keep this game close. Let's, let's, you know, get this game to the second half. Let's put the pressure on the home team. Let's put the pressure on a team that has never what been to the NFC championship game, but one time in the history of their organization. In some ways, you know, it was a one score game in the fourth quarter, but I don't think that'll be San Fran's mindset. I don't think that'll be Bosa and Armstead. I don't think with the noise, Right. People don't always understand, um, you know, the impact that that has on those tackles and Sewell's really good. And their whole line is very Decker's really good. But all of a sudden, when you can't, you're looking in at the ball <laughs> and Bosa's in that wide nine and you're a half step late because you can't hear. It makes a difference. And for Goff, when he gets hit and he gets harassed, he, as you said, he's just a different guy than he is when he is clean. Look, it's the greatest league on the planet, in my opinion, the NFL. You played in it. You were a semi-pseudo employee when you worked for Fox calling NFL games. 
But I do think they love these storylines. And I think oh. the NFL would love to see Kansas City and this Taylor Swift thing. Like I saw we were doing some analytics up here at Disrupt the Media, and we were looking millennials. And they Google it, – it went in this, this order for sports, NBA, WWE, UFC, and then NFL. Hmm. And they are as, as healthy as the NFL is. I still think they like – Oh, they love it. You kidding yeah, me? They, they love it. Yes. They want to dig into this. It's the reason we saw that game on Peacock, uh, Miami yep. and Kansas City. Yep. They would love to have the Taylor Swift angle in the Super Bowl. I think they'd love to have Detroit there for their first Super Bowl ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the better teams are Baltimore and San Francisco, but yep. sometimes it just seems like these things play out in a weird way. Yeah, they can. And I remember my year doing NFL games, a couple conversations I had with PR directors in a couple of different markets where, you know, I come from wearing a college hat where you have an opinion, you know, where my employer for many years at ESPN said, Hey man, you got to cut through, you know, you got to have an opinion, you, know, you get to these moments and you got to, you know, share, you know, and don't be afraid to, to really put yourself out there and got to the NFL. And it's like, no, 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 no. Not about you. <laughs> and, and by the way, if there's a protagonist and an antagonist, let's go with the positive every single time. And we want to cast our net as wide as possible, right? It really is 32. Whereas, you know, college football is a hundred and what, what do we have now? 133, 135 division one teams. You certainly have the SEC and the big 10 and the big 12 and these te- these conferences that don't like each other, teams that don't like each other, teams that have left at Oklahoma and Oklahoma state that hate each other. Like, you know, in college, man, you love doing these games. There's pure vitriol. And you're not trying to put on a show, but you know you don't have to be guarded, in my opinion. I could share my opinion. NFL was different, Lance. It was like, no, 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 no. We're 32 that work as one, right? I remember doing a radio show. Here's a quick little story for you that highlights what you're talking about. I did a, a radio show in a market, and I said something, and it was not even – I didn't even think nearly that threatening. I toned it way down from the actual information that I had talking about the leadership of a certain player and a quarterback and yada, yada, yada. And I got a call, you know, from a, from that PR director. And he's like, who'd that help? Why'd you go on that show? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, just kind of sharing my opinion, you know, <laughs> and was it wrong? He's like, I don't care if it's wrong. Who, who are you benefiting? Are you benefiting the shield? Are you benefiting the league? Or are you benefiting that radio show in yourself? And I was like, Wow, this is a different animal, man. They, that, <laughs> that shield is the real deal. And they care about the 32 teams and they care about the 50 million that are watching divisional playoff games and the, I don't know how many we're going to get to with all the Swifties included into this championship game. Uh, so, no, I get where you're coming from, man. You know, if we went back to after September, I think before the season, I had Ravens and Eagles in the Super Bowl. I think you had Ravens Bills. I don't want to speak for you. I, I think, think so. you did. Because I remember you had Josh Allen winning the MVP, but I think I had the Niners, right? Niners in the NFC, and it was Ravens or Bills in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With that said, I I think since, you know, towards the end of September, we both agreed San Francisco was the team to beat. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll stand on that hill right now. But how amazing is it to you that we have not? I was in, I told you, the cinder block wall that I busted the remote on, I was in that room the last time as a like, junior fifth year junior six year senior i forgot mm-hmm. what it exactly was when san francisco won their last super bowl against stan humphreys and uh, no chin stan had no chin he had, he had just no chin, chin. He had, he had very very small chin yes san diego chargers <laughs> yes. but 
I mean, that's one of the great organizations in yep. sports, yep. and it's been since 1994. It's been 30 years. I just – there's starving fan bases out there, and I get upset and beat up when my Rams don't win. But then I look back, and I'm like, damn, we've won two Super Bowls since San yep. Francisco has won one. That's right. Yeah, it is hard to imagine. And Kyle Shanahan, I, th I think if you uh, surveyed people in football and said, hey, you know, who's, who's the best coordinator? Who's the best play caller in a league that's now so offensively driven and everything favors the offense and every call seemingly favors the offense and protect the quarterbacks and everything else. Kyle's right there, right? It's McVay and it's Kyle Shanahan and McVay, kind of the disciple of, of Kyle. And he's been there. He was there with Atlanta, right? He was there with Garoppolo. I mean, he has been right there. And it just sure feels like with John Lynch, just the the harmony that they got going, the star power they have going, uh, Mr. Irrelevant making 400 grand on the salary cap at quarterback. Like all of these things are lined up for you. You get a home game against Detroit, who's only been on this stage two, you know, for the second time ever. Like, come on, you know, go finish this script. Now, whether it's Kansas City or Baltimore, that will be a different animal, which whichever one it is, whether it is Lamar, whether it is Mahomes, that will be a different animal in Vegas. But this one, feels like, yeah, it's time to take care of business and get back to that Super Bowl. I mean, look, you played in the league for a while. You played with Peyton. Uh, did you ever – were you ever in a Super Bowl? Close, man. AFC Championship game. Yep. Well, I was a just going to bring up – I mean – 2003, Damon Heward on the opposing sideline backing up Tom. I was backing up Peyton. Damon, funny story, actually got the game ball. Came out after the game, and my parents were there, and family was there, and my wife was there, and it was – and Damon was super gracious. He felt bad. They'd already won a Super Bowl in 01 and everything else. And I was like, you got a game ball? And, you know, he's super humble. And But uh, it turns out Belichick gave him in the locker room. Like, you were a better Peyton Manning than the Peyton Manning we faced today in this AFC title game. So Damon got that game ball and got a second Super Bowl ring. And I went to Cancun or somewhere like that. So <laughs> I will say, though, man, I and I, 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 it's the most difficult thing in sports is to win a Super Bowl. And as soon as I say that, you're going to see Kansas City win again and then go to a Super Bowl and win another one with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. But, I mean, in college football, you know, for, for a while when we were in the 14 playoff, you could go on before the season, you could be like, I can tell you yep. three teams that are going to be in the, the uh, 14 yep. playoff. And, you yep. know, every other year I can tell you one of these three teams is going to win a national championship. But when it comes to the NFL, there's so much luck because teams are so – those rosters are so even. Yep. And once you get this deep into the postseason, yep. uh, you just got to have the right luck. Yeah, it is luck. And I would I would say, honestly, attrition because those roster sizes are so much smaller. You know, you can absorb – who was the Alabama guy a couple years ago? Dickerson, the big lineman. Yeah. Like, you can absorb a loss. You have, you know, 15 guys on that offensive line that's suited up. You got seven or eight in the NFL. And, you know, the 14 Super Bowl, as much as everybody talks about Marshawn at the end and the, and the interception and the amazing play that Malcolm Butler played and everything else, they if they don't lose Jeremy Lane and Cliff Averill in that game, they may win going away. I mean, they were up 14. Right? They were in control of that game. But you lose your nickel, you lose one of your best pass rushers, and the game changes. I mean, it's just, it's just different. So, you know, we get to this stage, and if Debo can't go, Right. And they were to lose Trent Williams or, you know, lose one other, you know, one other difference maker. Fred Warner goes down in the game. Like you saw it last year, Brock Purdy hyperextends his elbow on the what first series of the game. It gets feel like that is how small the line is. Not only as competitive as the rosters are talent wise, but the team that typically is left standing is the team that is the healthiest. 
I've certainly felt that way over the last 10 years more than ever. And you strip away off seasons, you strip away hitting, you strip away pads, you strip away all these things that callous these teams and develop these teams. I don't remember feeling that way, you know, with Stan Humphreys and Junior Seau against the Niners. Like, nope, San Fran is just the better team. But I'd be honest with you, Lance, over the last 5, 10, that Seahawks Super Bowl in 14, the healthiest team, the one with their most stars playing on that stage at the very end is typically the one that brings it all home. Uh, big, big Sunday. My favorite Sunday in the NFL, AFC, NFC Championships this weekend. You're going on sabbatical. I don't know if we can say where you're going. Will you oh, be I'm going watching? to Cabo. Oh, no, I'm going to Cabo. Okay. I'll be watching on the plane ride home. I'll get home for the, the for the final game. Make sure we get on the plane that uh, has one for the for the AFC game earlier. No, won't miss this. And I will think one last shout out, man. My buddy, uh, I lost a good friend uh, about a year ago, Dory Monson. Just a, just a star. Uh, he did Seahawk Radio. He introduced me to media. You and I probably wouldn't be doing this if it were not for my buddy Dory. And we lost Dory to a massive heart attack about a year ago. But he would host uh, everybody on the pre and the post game Seahawks show for this weekend, <laughs> and we would watch the AFC or the NFC game. And then, golly, we had way too much to eat and drink, and we would go in between games and play a game of sp- on the basket on the sport court. Like, bro, this isn't a good idea. Like, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Someone, you know, this is not smart, man. But we built, you know, about I don't know, seven, eight, nine years of doing that. So I'm with you. This championship weekend, my favorite weekend. They could say last weekend, maybe as a weekend. But as a Sunday, this is about as good as it gets. Yeah, you know, and I I, I typically host AFC NFC championship game because I've got these boards and and it's really cool. Uh, Ten people are in. You draw numbers zero through nine, and you stick that number, and you've got different categories like first score of the game, what yard line. So if I've got a three, if it's a thirty-three yard field goal, then I win. And so you put oh, an amount you. of money in, and it's uh-huh. it's like nonstop. And like yeah. first commercial they go to after kick. What's the category? Is it a movie? Is it a soft drink? Um, and so it just keeps people engaged the entire time. And you can win oh, some pretty good money. So yeah. uh, as long as the Rams aren't playing, I've hosted this every year. And obviously, <laughs> yes. they're not going to unfortunately be playing. So cool. I'll be doing that as well. But enjoy Cabo. Uh, fun place. I forgot the uh, place we love to eat that is kind of in the middle of nowhere, like Florawa Farms. Oh, yeah. We'll be there. Flora Farms will yeah. be there for my wife's birthday Thursday night. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Well, look, enjoy Cabo, safe travels, and uh, we'll check in, get ready for the Super Bowl in the next couple of weeks. I mean, this is so much fun, man. This is, uh, I've said this to you a few times when we've ended over the course of this year, like this is just such a blast time, absolutely flies, and have sure enjoyed it in the audience and everybody else, and yeah, just kind of an added bonus that (laughs) the new Alabama coach is one that I'm pretty darn familiar in my old neck of the woods. So have a great weekend, have a great time, and we will chat next week, friend. Yeah, this is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt right here on Disrupt the Media, brought to you by MyBookie.ag.